My name is Keith Beavers, and I remember the time someone told me about what a haberdashery was. It's a hat store. What, what does haberdashery mean? What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is Wine 101, and my name is Keith Beavers. I am the tastings director of Vine Pair, and what is going on? What's up? How are you? Okay, we're going to have a little bit of fun today. We're going to talk about something you probably don't know about, but you should know about. It's called Lugana. What's Lugana? It's a fun little region that straddles two regions. What? We'll talk about it. This episode of Wine 101 features Mays Row Wine Merchant's esteemed partner, Allegrini, which is located in northern Italy in the Veneto region. The Allegrini family dates back to six generations of making wine in the Valpolicella region, which means land of many cellars. Valpolicella is also the name of one of Allegrini's most famous red wines made from the historic grape called Corvina that imparts signature notes of almond. To try Allegrini, follow the link in the episode description to BarrelRoom.com. Okay, so this is going to be fun. In the last couple episodes, no, the last episode, I talked about the tale of two Montepulciano's. And I briefly talked about Abruzzo. And I mentioned Montepulciano the Great, but I also mentioned it's white wine they do there called Trebbiano. And thinking about Trebbiano, hmm, I should probably talk about Lugana. How did I get there? <laughs> Well, this is how I got there. In, how do I say this? In northern Italy, in the, at the southern edge of the Dolomite mountain range, is the largest lake in the country of Italy. It's called Lake Garda. And this lake is so big that its shorelines are shared by three provinces. Trentino of Trento in the north, Brescia of Lombardia to the west, and to the east, Verona of the Veneto. And the way this lake looks is crazy. It is has a long, narrow, narrow channel from the top all the way towards the bottom, then it fans out like a lazy axe being laid down on its side. Lazy. <laughs> what is it? I think I mean lazy because like if you were to draw an axe, it doesn't really look like an axe, but it's a lazy drawing of an axe laying on its side. Okay, whatever. What's important is how it was formed. In that the in the ice age, the great alpine glaciers, this is a moment in the ice age, started forcing their way south from the the Alps. And this lake was formed by some of that glacial push. This is very similar to what you see in the Finger Lakes, but on a much, much larger scale. And what's interesting is as we get to the end of that lake where it fans out and bubbles out a little bit like a lazy X, <laughs> is that the, the shoreline of the southern part of the lake and then going south into the landmass is ancient glacier hills. They're called moraine Hills, a little call to the wheel of time there, or Morainic Hills, M-O-R-A-I-N-I-C. And those hills basically hug the lower curved shore 
of Lake Garda. And if you were to stand on one of those hills and look north to Lake Garda, all the land you would see between the hills and the shore is what's called Lugana D.O.C. And the people in this region will tell you that wine has been being made here since ancient times. And that absolutely pans out because, my gosh, this area was traveled by so many humans throughout history. It's ridiculous. But what's very interesting in modern day is that this is a DOC that actually straddles two regions. Just like the lake straddles or kind of shares three provinces of regions. The Lugana DOC is primarily in Lombardia, outside of Brescia, which we talked about earlier. And half of it is in the Veneto, in the province of Verona. The majority of the wine is made, actually 90% of it, is made in the, on the Lombardy side, Lombardia. And this is the thing. What you have here is a very unique little terroir deal, a little sense of place, a little macroclimate situation going on here, where... This lake is huge, so it has a bunch of wind coming down from the Dolomites through all, across the lake down to the bottom of the lake in the south. And then as the wind gets into the landmass, it gets moved around by these hills. So it's almost like a block. So you get all this lake effect air that are just trapped in these hills, and then no matter wherever you are in the hills, like the little pockets of, of microclimates there. And what's interesting, and also a testament to the amount of humans that have passed through this time, this place over time, is that there's a major autostrada or a highway running through this DOC. And it just so happens that north of this highway or autostrada is a narrow band of a specific kind of soil composition. And they actually have a name for it locally. They call it, they call it Menardel. And it's just... It's limestone, and limestone is very good for wine, but also has some clay. But it was a, it's just a very, very bright white kind of soil that is great for one variety because there's only one grape that is grown in this DOC and used. It is a grape called Torbiana. And this is how I got to here. In the white wine category of Italian wine, there is a grape called Trebbiano. And I know I talked about it in the beginning of this episode and in Abruzzo, but the thing is, there's about five or more different Trebbiano grapes in Italy. But the thing is, they're not a family of grapes. They're not very related. The only relation they have is they have morphological similarities, meaning the vines and the way they grow are very similar and the grapes look very similar. They're big. They're very whitish. There's and the, the vines, uh, they, 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 they ripen later. All these similarities that happen, but because of DNA profiling, we know that they are not related. So Torbiano d'Abruzzo is its own variety, and actually it's a mystery as to really where that grape is from. That's going to be another, for another time, we do the Abruzzo episode. But here in Lugana, for a long time, the white wine grape that I've been talking about that they use was called Trebbiano di Lugana. And that was because of its morphological similarities with other Trebbiano in the area. At some point, DNA profiling comes around and it is proven that Trebbiano di Lugana is actually the same grape as Verdicchio, which is a white wine grape that is grown in Le Marche, 
which is the region north of Abruzzo I talked about in last episode. And absolutely, we need to get a Le Marche episode because there's some really great wine being made there. But Verdicchio is a Le Marche grape. So in Lugana, they're like, look, we need to change the name of this. It's not a Trebbiano grape. It's not Trebbiano di Lugana. It's actually Verdicchio. But we don't want to, you know insult Le Marge with their long history of this variety. They have multiple regions with that deal with that variety. So the people of Lugana did something very smart. Through research, it shows that the earliest mention of the Trebbiano grape was in the 14th century, and it was referred to as Trebbiana or Trebbiana. And this is in around northern central Italy, kind of where Lugana is. And the word Trebbiana or Trebbiano is thought to be from the medieval Franconian word Draibro, which means vigorous shoot, which is exactly what one of these more theological similarities is about this vine. So it's kind of cool, Trebbiana instead of Trebbiano. So the people of Lugana were like, you know what? We are not going to call this grape Verdicchio. We are not going to call this grape Lugana di, uh, Trebbiano di Lugana. Our grape is called Tribiana, and it is a callback and an honor to, you know, the past. So we have a DOC called Lugana that straddles two regions and has this lake effect of the largest lake in Italy, and it deals with one variety that they were end up naming Tribiana. And the thing about Lugana is they have different styles they make wines, different styles of wines from this one grape. They have a regular still white wine. They do a Reserva, which they have to hold it a little bit longer before they release it. They do sparkling wine as of recently with this wine. And they also, because Tribiana is a high acid white, it does very well with skin contact or amber or orange wine hues. They even do a late harvest dessert wine. I... I love wines from Lugana. I've had every single style except for the sweet wine. Um, the thing is, what you're going to experience out there on the American market is it's going to be it's not going to be the easiest thing to find wines from Lugana. So you go to a wine shop that you know does a little bit of work and has a little bit of fun with exploration and of wines. If you do see Lugana out there, it's going to be pretty affordable. It's going to range from ten to twenty bucks. There are a little bit more expensive wines out there. The reservas can be a little bit more expensive. You're not going to see a lot of the reservas. The thing is, this DOC is smack dab in the middle of one of the most touristy places in Italy. It's between Verona and Brescia. It's between Venice and Milan. I mean, this is like vacation crazy. There are places, I've been on Lake Garda, and when you're sitting on Lake Garda and you're looking around, you're like, my God, it is an absolutely stunning place with beautiful hotels and all this stuff. So I'm saying that because there is a large amount of Lugana that makes it for, you know, for the tourist, um, the tourism. And the most basic Lugana whites you're going to have are just very clean, very somewhat little bit lemony, but not really just easy to drink, high acid whites that are great with lunch. And if you're sitting on the lake, it's just, you know, it just works. 
They're gonna do, or you're gonna, if you're gonna have the the reservas, there's a little more depth in the wines. Sparkling wines obviously are great because of the you know the high acid's good for a base wine for sparkling, so that works. But I just wanted to talk about Lugana because I mentioned Trebbiano. I was like, wait, there's something fun, <laughs> and this is just one of those wines where you know not only people, not a lot of people know about the Lugana DOC. It's a fun wine to have just because it's delicious. They're, they're great wines. In addition to that, here's some fun little facts for it. You've got on Wine 101 to tell your friends and have a great little evening with a white wine that people may not know and now know. It's, it's kind of cool. So I just want to throw down this. This is a, kind of a short episode, but I wanted to throw down on some Lugana DOC because it deserves to be talked about and enjoyed. Okay. I'll see you next week. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pear. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pear, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pear staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pear's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but, you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.